0: Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, this time we're talking about space drugs. Uh, Allison, you've seen Dune, right? Um, the film Dune?
0: yes. Of course, I have. With Sting. Yes, sure.
1: Okay. Do you remember that they had the the whole bit with the uh, with the spice, right? Melange. Yes. They got it. They.
0: That's also the name of the the place that cuts my hair. I wonder if it really? was inspired. by Really? Do they all the have Dune blue movie? eyes? Can um. They... No.
1: Okay. No sandworms there or anything.
0: No, but okay. they do have some good stylists.
1: Oh, I wish I. Well, I'm gonna. I wish I'd known about that earlier. I would have come up with a lot of jokes about um, hair salons on Dune. But but anyway, the like I say, the Dune centers around a drug. Um, this fantastic space drug that people take so they can see into the future and, and by seeing into the future, uh, dodge, uh, catastrophe while piloting giant spaceships, uh, through the stars.
0: And of course, science fiction drugs have no side effects, right?
1: Oh, well, you know, they, sometimes they do. Well, like the, yeah, the spice has side effects. You end up with those blue eyes. And, oh. Yeah. And then you can't, then you're hooked on it. You can never stop taking it. Um, but yeah, they tend to have more fantastic, um, uh, aspects to them. You know, it'll be something that allows you to see into the future, or it allows you to live forever. Um, uh, some of them are a little more mundane. Like, the Dune also has a drug called uh, Samuda, which is all about just enjoying music a lot, which I think we probably have some of those here on Earth.
0: So heightening your appreciation for something? Yeah. Say, like, ecstasy might?
1: Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or how, you know, some... Some movies, uh, look like you, you see it and you're like, how, how high were the people? Right. Um, who made this film? Like, you know, how high would you have Raising to be Arizona? to enjoy that? What? Uh, that's a great comedy. That's a great film.
0: Well, I mean, I guess that's more one of those, not, uh, how high were they to make this film, but. Oh,
1: but just how, like, imagine, yeah.
0: To appreciate the film.
1: Well, you can appreciate that film. Anyway, um, so, back to science fiction, yes, there, there are tons of amazing, um, amazing drugs show up. Dune's just one example. There's stuff like, uh, Somic in the Worthing Chronicle, uh, Merge 9 in Altered Carbon, Soma and, and THX 1138, um, Nosedive in Heavy Metal, um, what's so, that, what's that? Nosedive? Uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't actually remember Nosedive all that well. Heavy Metal What's the, the cartoon. Did you see Heavy Metal? I did not. Okay. Um, yeah, Plutonium uh, Nyborg was the name of it. And I think it was like this space cocaine. There was also like one Cheech and Chong movie where they had something called Space Coke, which was supposedly like super cocaine from space. That's my understanding. I, I have not seen that one. Um, then uh, like Philip K. Dick, of course, came up with a really weird one uh, in the three stigmata of Palmer Eldrick. Um, and that was something called Candy, which allowed space colonists to... Uh, really get involved with their doll collection like they would have these little dolls that lived in these little houses uh-huh. and they would take the candy and they would like really um connect with the dolls and the doll like um, you know the game, the video game the Sims yes well imagine like a drug that created the effect that people were having when the Sims first came out
0: so there are a lot of drugs in science fiction and gaming and actually in space though right
1: uh yes as it turns out in real life um, science fiction aside, we do have uh, some drug use in space, uh, which is perfectly normal because we have drug use all over the place on Earth, just on an everyday, perfectly legal, perfectly normal basis from the caffeine I take in the morning to the, you know.
0: Glass uh, of red wine you enjoy with dinner.
1: Yes, the aspirin in the afternoon and then, you know, et cetera. So, uh, so what, what kind of, what kind of uh, drugs do we have in space? What, what do you have?
0: Let's start off with a pretty popular one here on earth, booze. Ah, yes. So coffee, as Robert alluded to, actually is available in space, but alcohol is really more of a gray area. Um, so let's look back in history. In 1969, good old Buzz consumed, uh, communion wine on the moon. And if you believe some of the stories, the Russian mirror space station was, uh, Perhaps perhaps had its fair share of vodka.
1: Some people make that claim.
0: Some people make that claim. And then while the ISS, the, uh, the International Space Station, is technically a dry operation, similar to some dry counties, say, in, you know, Georgia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, NASA came under scrutiny back in 2007 because there are these reports that astronauts were hitting the bottle before takeoff. And I have to say, if I were an astronaut about to take off, I might be inclined to hit the bottle, too. So I'm not... Very much kind of condemn them.
1: Yeah, it kind of takes the edge off of... Uh,
0: but then again, alcohol does mess with your abilities a bit, so you're really not going to want an astronaut drinking alcohol probably before takeoff.
1: Yeah, and the PR disaster, if they were to get pulled over. I mean, <laughs> about halfway up.
0: So actually, um in addition to perhaps hitting the bottle before takeoff, they've even um, done some brewing of space beers. Oh, really? Yeah, according to New scientists, there's a University of Colorado student with a got a little help from cores, and the student actually sent a miniature brewing kit into orbit as part of her thesis on fermentation in space. Wow. So you might wonder how it turned out. Apparently it was pretty foul.
1: Yeah? Did it give people superpowers? I'm <laughs> guessing it gave people superpowers.
0: Well, I guess the thing about gravity is uh, it's it's kind of nice on Earth, but it, it actually gives a, a good head on your pint anyway.
1: Oh, wow. I had not thought of that. Well, moving away from uh, beer to something a little more druggy if you will is uh I will is uh, modafinil which uh is uh, pretty interesting um and this is uh you may you may know varieties of this as uh, provigil um or uh modalert but uh modafinil is uh basically an upper that you can take that, uh, that that they uh, have available for astronauts according to the uh the good drug guide it is quote a memory improving and mood brightening psychostimulant that quote Enhances wakefulness, attention capacity, and vigilance. Unquote. So, basically the, the deal is, if you're in space, uh, sometimes a lot of work will come up, you know? Like, oh, you have to fix the portal, or the, uh, or the engine, or something, and if it doesn't get fixed, then you might die, or, or millions and millions and millions of dollars, um of equipment's gonna be damaged, etc. So there comes a time where you've gotta stay awake. It's kinda, kinda like when you're on that long car drive, you know? and uh, you take
0: you, uppers on your long car drives no but
1: i'm saying you know how you're on that car drive and and it's like you're starting to fall asleep right and if you keep driving while you're falling asleep then there's a good chance you're going to die now okay. but you have the you often have the option of say pulling over yes. or stopping you know so this is the equivalent of stopping at the truck stop and getting one of those 6-hour energy drinks except this is apparently like a really good 6-hour energy drink that enables uh that, that doesn't have uh doesn't have much in the way of like jitteriness um as a side effect, and it's all aimed at like keeping keeping the astronaut alert, uh, on task, and doing whatever needs to be done to uh, accomplish that mission and uh, keep everything functional.
0: Not quite as exciting as an upper is a, a drug that's designed to prevent bone mass loss, and this particular one is called Zoledronate. And um, as you guys know, bone mass loss is a big problem in space. So it's only natural that scientists have figured out a way to combat bone mass loss. Originally, zoladronate was used to prevent secondary bone tumors and cancer patients. Oh. But according to a report on BioEd Online, the drug showed promise a few years back um, as a means of slowing bone mass loss in space. So NASA's still looking into it. Looks like the jury's still out on this particular drug.
1: Uh, we, we've we developed a number of technologies just to try and combat uh, bone last uh, bone mass loss in space everything from the uh, like the Stephen Colbert uh, treadmill to uh, I I think it was called a penguin suit that the uh, the Russians worked on years and years back and it's kind of like a mechanical uh, suit you would wear um, or had like elastic in it and all that it would uh, basically make all your movements would We'd have to exert more energy to perform them.
0: Oh yeah, didn't Suzanne Summers make a, a version of that on the did Home she? Shopping Network? Yeah.
1: Oh wow, and like, like a, a Suzanne Summers power suit. <laughs> um,
0: no, I, I tease. She well, did not.
1: Did she not? Oh okay. Because you, because anybody listening to this probably was just about to hit YouTube for that. I, <laughs> I wanted to run out and hit YouTube for that. Suzanne Summers in a mechanized power suit running amok on a TV set. So on your bone-mast space drugs, uh, it's hard to imagine anybody abusing them on Earth uh, there's a different case with something called scopolamine. So another thing about being in a weightless environment is sometimes your uh, stomach gets a little upset. Sometimes you might vomit and vomiting in in space is not a good thing at all. Uh, you know, just, you can imagine it floating Uh,
0: around out there. Yeah.
1: Little bits just the and the, the sheer projectile of it would just, you know, cover the entire station. So you don't want it to happen. Um, for any number of reasons, so they have this thing called the uh, Scope Dex, uh, and this is a speedy cocktail of scopolamine and dexadrine. and uh, together the, these com- combat nausea. Okay. All right. On Earth, though, scopolamine is also known as Burundanga, and it is a powerful sedative extracted for the from the Brugmansia. I'm guessing at that one flower, uh, which is native to Colombia. <laughs> okay, um, and it's a uh, commonly used as a central nervous system depressant uh, in patch form to treat nausea, seasickness, motion sickness, and less commonly in treatments of Parkinson's symptoms and, in, uh, uh, and as, as an anesthetic. But uh, where it's abused, uh, you see some cases where it's abused, though, in Colombia. Because uh, it, if taken in high enough doses, it, it uh, apparently creates this kind of, kind of can turn you into a zombie. And there have been cases where someone has been dosed with this, uh, this particular drug and then somebody has taken advantage of them, like, you know, robbed them, et cetera. So is
0: it kind of like a roofie?
1: Kind of like a roofie, yeah. <clears throat> um, it just kind of makes you susceptible to whatever. Uh, in fact, the CIA uh, apparently experimented with it in the 60s to see if it could be used as like a, a truth serum. Um, now, there's also a lot of uh, urban legends surrounding this. Uh, like, I think there have been, uh, I've read that there, there have been emails going around saying, if you go to Columbia, don't take a business card from anybody, because they're lacing the business cards with drugs, and if you take it, you'll be turned into their slave for years, and that's probably not the case. And also, there's a, uh, it's, it's also a, a, an easy scapegoat, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I accidentally stayed out all night, uh, uh what am I gonna tell the wife? Oh, somebody scopamine me. Uh, that's why, that's where my money went, and the evening. So, um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's at once uh, an excellent uh, means of uh, fighting uh, nausea in space. And it's also uh, uh, known as the Devil's Breath in Colombia, where it can be used to uh, take advantage of people.
0: Interesting. i would not heard of that one. Yeah. So, also in space, you're going to encounter vomit and lunar dust. Ooh. And lunar dust is a huge nuisance. And why? Well, because you have a lot of sensitive equipment up in space, and it can damage it.
1: Especially on the moon. That's where the lunar dust really becomes a problem. <laughs>
0: Good point, Robert. Um If the lunar dust coats your spacesuit, for example, um, you can absorb enough solar energy to basically be baked.
1: That really shocked me when I first learned about that. I just hadn't put one and two together on that one.
0: And then the National Space Biomedical Research Institute, NSRBI, NSRBRI, has also pointed out that if you track lunar dust into a low-gravity lunar base, it could wind up inside our lungs, and that would be bad. According to Science Daily, there are no known illnesses due to lunar dust exposure, but it has a lot in common with um, fresh fractured quartz. And this is a highly toxic substance. So the long-term effects of lunar dust could be could be pretty bad. And so leading um, researchers at this NSRBRI institute have proposed the use of target drugs to minimize the effect of these tiny particles being suspended in our lungs, which is basically a, a way of saying that they're worried about lunar dust in our lungs and they're trying to figure out ways that it doesn't happen for the astronauts i mean they have to deal with enough
1: in yeah. space
0: why should course, they have to deal course with we have that to
1: actually go back to the moon for that to be a problem so that is know. true the, the research may be uh, put on the back burner
0: and now you get the you get the next exciting drug oh yeah i get stuck with the bone mass loss and the the lunar dust and you get stuff like tranquilizers
1: well um hey i didn't divide them up or well i guess they did but still um yeah the next one is tranquilizers um and uh, this was this is really awesome um you know, we, you read a lot about people going crazy in space. Or, I mean, I read a lot about people going crazy in space. You probably not so much. But, um, it, it's, you know, it's something we have to actually, uh, um, you know, keep on the radar. Because it's a high, it's a st- high, very stressful situation up there. And, uh, if somebody loses it, um, you know, it's a very small environment. You know, a lot of people are, you're gonna, everybody's gonna have to hang around the crazy person. The crazy person's gonna be around a lot of sensitive equipment. Um, so they're gonna have to bring them under control. So, NASA actually, uh, according to a 2007 report from Associated Press, NASA actually keeps uh, a few tranks on hand just in case anyone goes crazy. Um, or, you know, becomes suicidal or psychotic. NASA recommends binding the individual's wrists and ankles with duct tape, strapping them down with a bungee cord, and if necessary, sticking them with a tranquilizer oh just to God. knock them out. I think it's good to know that they have some of those on hand. And the duct tape. The duct, of course, the duct tape can come in handy just about for anything i mean they used it to fix uh fix lunar rovers um and that goes back to the uh the the, uh, space dust actually do you remember that story
0: i do yeah
1: where the uh the mud flap or the dust flaps i guess
0: oh and the lunar rover
1: yeah so the uh the dust flap fell off and they realized that we you know hey we can't drive this around because it's going to shoot all this uh this lunar dust up and uh it's going to harm equipment etc so they were able to take i believe uh uh some maps that they had they were like laminated and then with between with that and duct tape they built new mud flaps so duct tape
0: ever the space traveler's friend exactly so it's not just that astronauts may be taking drugs in space but scientists are also interested in using space as a sort of laboratory for figuring out new drugs
1: and in a far more advanced way than the uh than the uh, the beer uh experiment that we mentioned earlier
0: yeah space has long been heralded as a frontier for drug development So NASA, for example, has done experiments to uh, study the 3D growth of these protein crystals in microgravity. And they were basically hoping that the structure would uh, help drug designers develop new treatments that target specific diseases. But the long and short of it is that in space, in microgravity, the biological systems um, may do funky things that they don't, in fact, do uh, on Earth in terrestrial laboratories. So that's why uh, space proves a handy laboratory for, for drug development. And the other, the flip side of that is that NASA has observed that the effectiveness of some drugs decreases after travel aboard the space shuttle um, or time spent aboard the ISS. So that's kind of another obstacle to man's deep space exploration. So if you're developing all these drugs, but then you're in space for a while and they're...
1: Right, you're not going to have enough uh, anti-vomit medication to get you all the way to your distant planet destination. So yeah, those are some of the uh the real life drugs that uh, one might encounter uh in orbit and beyond. Um and you know, if we you know come back to for a second to the, uh, the the science fiction stuff at the beginning, it's like anytime you encounter these crazy fantastic space drugs, it seems like a lot of the time it's something that uh that people encounter on a different planet. You know, it's like it's the it's the melange uh, that, you know, is created by the sandworms. Or um, Clark Ashton Smith had uh, had this story called the plutonium drug that was where, in, you know, and this was this was written uh, decades and decades ago, uh, and it envisioned, like, finding uh, plants on Mars and getting a drug from that and some sort of growth on Pluto and getting a drug from that. In, in reality, I mean, we haven't actually found any planets that have anything can even conceivably like life. So we're not, we're probably not going to be finding any space drugs of that nature anytime soon. But, uh, clearly, as long as, uh, as humans are going to continue to be going into space, we're going to look for, um, all sorts of, um uh, of earthbound and, uh, and, uh, space grown, uh, drugs to help them out.
0: So if you have a question on space, on astronauts on drugs, or astronauts in space on drugs, send us an email at science stuff at com.